I'm your host, Tyler Rasmussen, and we've partnered up with our friends at Pool Pro Magazine to bring you a monthly news and notes segment on all things pool-related. Knowledge is power, and by tuning in each month, you will stay informed on what the public and the industry are talking about. Joining us for these segments is Pool Pro Magazine's editor-in-chief, Megan Kendrick. With over 10 years' experience writing some of the best articles in the industry, we believe she is the perfect person to notify you on what's going on in the pool world that we know and love so much. Without further ado, let's jump into this month's News and Notes episode. Welcome to your go-to podcast for the pool and spa industry. My name is Tyler Rasmussen. And my name is Greg Biafonia. And this is the Pool Chasers Podcast. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Megan, on the podcast. We appreciate you being here. We're super excited to partner with you guys on this. So can you introduce yourself to listeners and a little bit about Pool Pro Magazine? For sure. So yeah, my name is Megan Kendrick. I am the editor and chief and publisher of Pool Pro Magazine. If you haven't seen our magazine, we are... um, a pool industry magazine, trade magazine that is focused mostly on the service side of the industry. We come out six times a year and you can pick up copies for free at SCP and Superior Pool Products locations, or you can order a copy to come to your house from our website. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we love the magazine. So been uh, on the cover one time and it's one of our favorites, definitely for sure. So thank you for saying that. You're welcome. So let's jump into some segments here. The first one we're going to do is kind of in the news. So these segments are going to highlight stories that are kind of in the public eye. So I'm just going to read through them and then we can kind of talk about them afterwards. So the first one, back in June, the Champlain Tower South in Surfside, Florida collapsed. The investigation is going to take several months, but there is speculation. It has to do with the pool deck. So that'll obviously be determined at a later time, but that was a pretty scary looking collapse there. In Dubai now hosts the world's deepest swimming pool, which is called Deep Dive Dubai. It's 196 feet deep and contains 14 million liters of water, which is equivalent to six Olympic-sized swimming pools. It's indoors, kept at 86 degrees Fahrenheit for comfortable diving. And there's also a hyperbaric chamber that can fit 12 people in case of emergency. Dubbed the Airbnb for pools, Swimply has recently made the news since it surged with rentals since the start of the pandemic. There are now over 13,000 pool owners in 125 markets across the U.S. <laughs> you know, you pool industry, you know, you just love those rentals, right? <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Hear stories all the time. Um, 31 people were sent to hospitals after a chemical leak near a kid's pool at Six Flags Water Park in Texas. More than 80 people total were said to have experienced respiratory issues or skin irritation. The chemicals involved were believed to be liquid chlorine and sulfuric acid, and the park was closed the remainder of the day while it was investigated. Two different incidents occurred where people drove into swimming pools, one of our favorites through social media, <laughs> one in California and one in Colorado. Luckily, nobody was injured on those, but those do seem to pop up on social platforms quite often when that happens. So I'm sure we'll see a lot of that. And in New York, a woman rescued a baby deer from drowning in her backyard pool and a woman in Florida was arrested for sneaking into the retiree's yard and swimming naked in the pool. So quite a lot going on outside in the pool world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Some of these are bad, but I mean, I don't know. For some people, finding someone naked in your backyard wouldn't be the worst thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I thought that one was going to be kind of funny, but apparently she was still naked when uh, the officers arrived and when they handcuffed her, mm. she tried to resist it. So I'm sure it was a interesting show there. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, there, there's a point where you really got to put your clothes back on. So <laughs> she, passed, she passed that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the Dubai pool, I mean, we were just talking about this before. It's pretty crazy. 196 feet is crazy deep. Yeah, I've seen a lot of pictures of that floating around lately and hitting my inbox and it looks insane. I mean, I don't know. Going deep in water is not something that I get too excited about doing, but I mean, if you're into (laughs) diving, I think it looks like fun. I mean, get safe and not be in the ocean, I guess, you know, less chance of getting bit by a shark. I guess so. I don't know. Every time I've tried to like <laughs> dive or, or not dive, let's I have never scuba dive, but like snorkel. I don't know. It gets cold and being under the water is weird. <laughs> yeah. I've actually scuba dive twice and both in Hawaii, I think, which is pretty cool, but it is definitely different. I mean, you, your body is full of pressure. You take one bad breath, <laughs> you're drinking water. So it's a little bit difficult, but yeah, I don't know. I I think it would be very cool to see. I think you can like yes. watch it from the restaurants and other things. You can see people diving in there. So pretty cool for pool industry in general, though, being out there in the public, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I'd love to see it in person. That, it sounds really neat. Yeah. I mean, Dubai's got some of the coolest stuff ever. So if I ever get to go there, <laughs> that'll definitely be on the stop. Yeah. I think the Six Flags water park thing is pretty scary for people, you know, combining Chlorine and acid, never a good thing. We all know that. So luckily no woman was severely injured in that, but it's uh, pretty scary when chemicals aren't handled correctly or there's an issue with the supply. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy that it would happen at a place um, as big and what you would imagine as regulated as Six Flags. And I think it just kind of reminds us all that you can never be too vigilant, right? Like you think you've got your processes and procedures in place, but um, it can just take one person not knowing what they're doing, having access that they shouldn't. And then you have an, an incident and an accident like this. Yeah. Even just a leak, you know, if the lines aren't changed out properly or something, you know, mm-hmm. really, we don't really know what happened with it. Obviously it's right. probably still under investigation, but you know, yeah, all these stories kind of happened as we're recording here on July 23rd, right? Yes. <laughs> Whatever yes. the date is. Friday, so July 23rd. Prior, <laughs> happened prior to that. But yeah, that's it's pretty scary. So got to be careful with all that. But let's jump into some industry news here. You get a lot of stories coming in from press releases of different things. We're going to talk about some of those. So you want to share some of that? Yeah. Well, since this is our first one, I kind of wanted to go back and talk about some of the bigger news things that have happened even just in the last year in the pool industry, some of the bigger trends that we're seeing. Um, And I think the biggest one that's been the most interesting to watch has been companies going public. There's companies in the pool industry that are now being traded on the U.S. stock market Um, in October. Leslie's did their initial public offering. Uh, Then Hayward did theirs in February. And then uh, Latham came up and did theirs in April. And so uh, what's fascinating about that to me is that, you know, everybody in the pool industry knows that things are going really well right now. It's booming. There's a lot of challenges, but there's, you know, a lot of money coming into the pool industry. And it's great to see outside investors confirm that and say, yes, you are a viable industry you have something to offer and we definitely want to put our our money behind you. And, you know, in the past, you know, Pool Corp was 
publicly traded and so is Pentair, but they have a lot of other business units outside of pools. Fluidra is traded on the, uh, I think the Spanish stock market. And so it's just interesting seeing these new companies come into the market and have really successful IPOs. And that is a trend that I am interested in watching and seeing who follows. Yeah, definitely. I think like you said, you know, ones like Hayward and Latham to me are pretty impressive to come on because they are specifically pools. Like, like you said, they're the other ones have different investments in other areas. So the pools being acknowledged on a market that big is very good for our industry. And really, you know, what people do this for is kind of to raise capital is kind of the most distinct advantage. You know, a lot of times that's for expansion or research and development. So in those cases, you're able to gain capital quite quicker and you can grow and gives you the resources you need. So I think the capital coming into the industry for those companies is going to provide a lot for the industry as far as new things coming down the line. It also kind of gives you credibility and visibility. You know, they're enhanced in the public eye. So, Mm -hmm. and the corporate image is raised. So from somebody working there, it's, it's much different. People now recognize the name a lot better. And, you know, they also have an easier time, I think, attracting top talent by going public because now you have absolutely stock options you can provide to people. You can bring people from outside the industry into the industry. Um, so we're bringing more talent in the industry as well. So it's pretty awesome. And it's yeah. a really long process and um, pretty expensive. So, I mean, the fact that they gone through this and it tells you that they take it very serious and are taken very serious, like in the public eye. Yeah. And the good thing too about that, at least from my perspective as a journalist in the pool industry, is that it also gives you a lot more access to data, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you see a better barometer of of sales and where money is going and what's being purchased and when. And so that's also very exciting because those quarterly reports, man, they can give you a lot of great information on the pool industry. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What's the next one? So Yeah. Well, so the other thing is kind of along the same lines, and it's just all of the acquisitions that we've been seeing in the industry. So I think probably the biggest one was Fluidra bought CMP. So that was kind of an interesting one. It brought Fluidra into the hot tub market for the first time. Obviously, CMP does a lot in on the swimming pool side with their ozone and fountains and all kinds of things like that. But then one area that Fluidra did not have any representation was in hot tubs. And so Mm. CMP works with a lot of hot tub OEMs. And so now they are kind of in that market for the first time, which is interesting. Um, Pool Corp, of course, has continued buying up companies. Um, They bought Vacpack as well as Pool Source in the last couple of months. And then the last one, which may be the most interesting for your listeners is um, NPP. I know you have Hal on, you've had him on before, and I think he's doing some um, some episodes with you guys about business tips, which is great. Uh, but the interesting thing about NPP is, you know, looking at sort of these companies going public and outside money coming into the pool industry, you're starting to see that even trickle down to local companies and to service companies where you've got these outside investors who are saying, we believe that there is money to be made in this industry and that it's viable and that, you know, we can do really well in it. And so I think that's another thing that's really positive um, for the industry going forward. So those are kind of, I feel like the big, the big trends that I've been seeing over the last year that have just been so interesting to see what, I think they're going to cause some really big shifts in the, in the pool industry. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The CMP one was interesting because I mean, they were 
they were growing quite a bit. <clears throat> you know, when yes. you go to the trade shows, they have big booths now, they have different things. So for that, when I saw that transaction, I was like, wow, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good one. Um, and, you know, like you said, I think the biggest piece about that is just money coming in, you know, from outside the industry, which, you know, typically in acquisitions, you can, it helps people get into new markets easier. It gives them access to capital again, like capital is a very big piece of all this and capital is important for growing and, you know, new innovations and things like that. And it can give fresh yeah. ideas and perspectives kind of, you know, getting merged into some company that's even more established or has different leadership. And there's just different things that can happen through that. So it's not always a bad thing. A lot of times it's a good thing. Um, but people kind of see it, I think as both sides of it, but yeah, the MPP thing is very interesting. Actually, when this releases, we will have just come out with a full episode with MPP that kind of explains everything with them so oh good because i feel uh, like i didn't give a good explanation of what mpp is so, so you could, i guess stay just listen to that one instead <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no it's all good yeah um so something else that has happened in the last couple months that i think could have a big impact on the industry especially the pool service industry is this new apprenticeship program and i feel like um if you've been in the pool industry for very long, you've been hearing about this forever. You'll you know, run <laughs> someone at a trade show who's like, we're working on this, and then you never hear about it again. I mean, I've been hearing about you know, the desire to have a program like this uh, since I started the industry back in 2008. And so, but it, is, it has finally happened. Um, the PSATC, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> they actually got the apprenticeship program um, approved in California, and then shortly after that, got it approved nationally. And so, hmm. um, basically, they're taking all the great education that's already out there in the industry, the CPO, and a bunch of things like that, condensing it into a bunch of different courses, so that someone who goes through this apprenticeship program, you know, gets all of that good education that's already available. And then you work under somebody for a certain number of hours. So it's not just uh, you know, doing the training online or taking a class, you actually have to go out in the field and learn things at, through this program. And then when you're done, you have actually learned what you need to learn to be successful as a pool service technician and to move on in the industry. And so I'm really excited about it. They've, I think they've started the first class in May or April at the end of April, I think. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a long program, so those people are still going through it, but I'm really excited to see uh, what people say about going through the program. You guys are always talking about bringing up the professionalism in the industry, and I think this is a huge step in that direction. Yeah, definitely. I, like you said, I've heard about it for a long time, and, you know, it's, it's definitely something really cool because, you know, if you hire somebody and you want them to learn you know, this is a great way to do it. It's it's about 3000 bucks or so, but that's really not that much when you think about all the other avenues that were available here in the industry. I mean, what do mm -hmm. you, if you pay for them to go to, you know, manufacturing classes, that's a couple hundred bucks, but you're also taking them out of the field. So you're not making money you're losing money there. So, you know, evens out. If you could take them to a trade show yeah. that costs thousands of dollars to bring a whole team to trade shows, we've done it. Um, you know, so $3,000 for one person really isn't too much. And you get like 144 hours of online training and coursework. Plus, like you said, 2000 hours on the job training. So it's really good. I, I talked to Javier Payan from Payan Pools yesterday mm -hmm. about it and he's involved with it and he's got some of his guys in it. And he said it really just kind of motivated his employees, which is cool because he's reinvesting in them. So I think that's really positive. One cool thing that he told me about was 
when they graduate, they are guaranteed a certain salary. So I think it like oh. up to twenty four fifty an hour. So the people nice. sending people have to agree to pay them that much when they accomplish. So from a technician oh, perspective, I don't think I knew that part of it. Yeah, from a technician perspective, that's really cool because you can invest in yourself and wherever you work. Like if you have that in the state of California, anyways, right now you can you know be paid at a higher rate. So. That's a good thing. Yeah, it is great. Yeah, it's really. Did cool. you know that I just got my CPO? I did not, but that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think you just did tell me you were going to go through it. Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I have. I have taken the test. I have. I have passed. I now have my CPO, and I will probably never use it. But it was interesting to go through the process. Yeah, it's cool. You invested in yourself though, and just learning what other people are doing. So we did that too. I mean. We were already out of pools when we got ours. So it yeah. just helps you understand what it is a little bit better. Absolutely. All right. So the last thing on my list for kind of big industry news items is um, Biolab rebuilding their facility, which obviously huge deal in our industry, the trichlor shortage, the fire that took out, it feels like it took out the industry. It didn't. Right, but you know right. what I mean? <laughs> yes. Um, Very much yeah, so. So. Yeah, so they have finally broken ground on the new facility. They're spending about, well, it's going to be a $170 million investment. We'll see what it ends mm -hmm. up being when it's actually done because right. th I'm sure that could pop up a lot faster. <laughs> sure. The plan is to be done for spring of 2022. I hope and pray that they meet that because, um, you know, I don't think anyone wants to go through another summer like this. And the best thing about it is that it's going to have 30% more capacity than it did in the old facility. So fingers crossed, this is good news for the entire industry. Everyone sends some good vibes to their, their construction <laughs> team that things stay yes. on track and on budget and all of that, because it is, it is what we all, all desire right now. Correct. Yep. Yep. That's big news for sure. Okay. So the last thing we have on here is, um, I guess we're calling it movers and shakers. So just people who have moved around in the industry from different manufacturers, probably these are going to be reps and other people that you maybe will have heard of in the industry bumped into at trade shows and all of those fun things. So Jeff Gray, he has moved on to WaterTech Corp. They're the guys that make the battery powered pool vacuums pool and spa vacuums. Yeah. So they're starting the commercial sector. So he has moved over there. Mm -hmm. If you know Jeff Gray. And then the other one, Jamie Novak, who she's been on the podcast before, right? She has. Yep. Yes. Shout Love Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> yes. She's so awesome. she was at Biolab. She has moved to Aquastar now. Um, excited for her to start that. And then Wendy Parker, she was at the FSPA, the Florida Spa and Pool Association. So she mm -hmm. has moved to Pool Troopers, which is a pool service franchise. So mm -hmm. that is an interesting one as well. So yeah. So if you see these people say congrats on the new jobs, like them on LinkedIn, do the things. <laughs> for sure yeah all big moves there and lastly we kind of just want to highlight a couple pool pro articles that we found fascinating in the most recent issue you know as we discussed on the show before pool pro is one of our favorite magazines and we really enjoy reading each one so we both picked out kind of a favorite we'll talk about mine's called the packaging perils um so this is really talking about the plastics and different things in the industry that have shortages that have to do with chemicals. So, you know, chemicals are obviously in high demand and for many reasons, the pandemic being the biggest one, but it's just 
difficult to get plastics. I don't know if a lot of the industry understands that or knows that because I do see a lot on social media about leaking bottles or different things like that. But there's a lot more to it than just the manufacturer providing a leaky bottle because they've been seeing lead times of up to nine months sometimes with plastics. So the bottles that they're normally getting, they can't get for nine months. They have to make a transition from that to try to find something different. They don't always have the time to test it. That's necessary to test it. That includes even like bottle caps that might change, sealing the caps might change. So there's there's a lot that goes involved with just a plastic bottle. And I find that interesting just because I, like I said, I don't know if a lot of the industry understands what really goes into you know packaging for these things. And even their labels have to be different. I mean, in this article, it references like Jack's Magic Products, Easy Care Products and Haviland Products and some of the adjustments they've made to these lead times and demand and labeling packaging caps. And, you know, everything that they're having to do is, is quite difficult. And so, like I said, seeing a lot of pictures on social media and complaints about leaking stuff and not from those manufacturers specifically, just in general in the industry. And, you know, I just want the service industry to kind of understand that, you know, these manufacturers know it's a problem. They're trying their best and, you know, hopefully we'll be getting the good quality products back as the, <laughs> the plastics get here. But, you know, just got to yeah. give or take in every relationship. You know, it's it's manufacturers and service trade. You got to both understand where you're coming from. The service industry is frustrated by getting leaky bottles, paying for a product that's not working and vice versa. You know, they're trying their best to provide. I mean, they obviously don't want to ship out products that just leak everywhere. So, yeah. you know, that's an interesting article for sure. We know this big Texas freeze and all the swimming pools that it damaged, but I think the biggest impact might be on our industry is the fact that it took out these giant polyethylene plants, which is where mm-hmm. most of the plastic in the United States comes from. And so yeah. once that was wiped out, and they weren't just wiped out for like a couple of days, um, like the stuff froze up in the pipes and it mm-hmm. couldn't just flush it out. They had to go in and manually take down all of these pipes. And we're talking like city blocks full of of pipes and these plants that are just giant And so it took months for them to be operational again. That's why we're seeing one of the reasons why we're seeing the shortages in plastics and um, PVC pipe and stuff like that is because it just it got taken offline for for months. And, you know, in a time where they were already backed up because of the increased demand just from the world and COVID and all of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I just I feel for those guys. You're right. It is. I I am glad I am not in their job because they are trying so hard. And it just seems like Mm -hmm. every time they think they're going to get caught back up, something else happens that is just completely out of their control. Yeah, definitely. It's it's tough, but it's a good article. Check it out. Thank you. So the one that I picked out to talk about is the Beyond Trichlor. Um, And it's funny that you brought up Javier because... um, he wasn't interviewed for this article, but I talked to him afterwards and he said something that really struck me. You know, he's a guy who runs a good business, a big pool service business. Um, and he was talking about how he's having to use Cal Hypo for the first time. You know, he's ordered a bunch of it, waiting for it to come in. And he's he's a little nervous because he's never used it before. And so mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people in the industry who are having to find new solutions that they haven't used in the past, whether it's Cal Hypo, whether it's it's liquid. Um, things to kind of help fill this gap. And if you are not 
um, trained in using those chemicals. If you're not used to using those chemicals, there are so many different things that you need to think about as far as storage and transport. um, And then obviously the application actually at the pool. And so this article kind of focuses on that and making sure that you are prepared from a safety perspective to move into some of these avenues, whether it's a permanent change for you in your business or just something temporary to help fill that gap. Just make sure that you're you're prepared for that, that you are prepared, that your employees are prepared, that you are ready to do what you need to do to keep people employed and your, keep your pools clean. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest piece of that for, for me from running a pool service company is just to really understand and, you know, dive into what each of those chemicals means, what the, you know, reaction is to the, in the water, how that changes, how your employees carry it on their vehicles or you store it in your warehouse. It's really just a safety measures that are the most important in my opinion mm-hmm. and not storing liquid over cow hypo, um, you know, different stuff like that, that's, that can cause explosions. Um, so just really understanding what's important, but yeah, we've done a couple different episodes on the podcast about transitioning from tricolor to other, um, types of sanitation. And, you know, you guys have done several articles as well, but yeah, this one's really good to talk about that, but just check them out. That'd be great. Cool. Awesome. Well, it's been good talking to you, Megan, as always, how can people get pool pro magazine once again? Yeah. So probably the easiest way is if you hop on our website, poolpromag.com, you can order a print subscription on there to come to your home. Like I said earlier, you can pick one up at Pool Corp locations. Um, You can also download the digital edition there. We have an app where you can read all of the articles. So yeah, pretty much anywhere that you want to access the magazine, we we can do that for you. But the website is a good place to start. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll put all the links in the show notes and on the episode webpage for all the stories we discussed today. So really appreciate you joining us today, Megan. Thanks. We're looking forward to the rest of these. This was fun. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more, you can hit the link in the show notes below or visit poolchasers.com. If you'd like to learn more about Pool Pro Magazine, pick up the latest issue at your local SCP or superior and visit them at poolpromag.com. See you out there, Pool Chasers.